Hello, hello, folks. This is Joe Public. You're listening to the Public Record on Radio Nope. Ah, I'm back. I'm live. And, uh, yeah, so that's the story. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Had all kinds of issues last week. Just wasn't going to happen for me, so, you know, there we go. Oh, I've got so many stories, so many things to tell, so much stuff to say. (sighs) But I'm not going to do that right now. What I'm actually going to do right now is I'm going to, I actually have a theme, a theme that I've worked up. It's dumb. (laughs) I'm doing hair bands, man. I got to do the hair bands. And, and, you know, there's, there's so much to be said about and talked about related to the old world of head hair bands. And, and just like the hair music all, all together is just, you know, it's weird stuff. And I was inspired by this because of just as usual, random things that land on my playlist as I'm walking my dog or as I'm out doing errands. And this song was one of them. How about some Aldo Nova for y'all?
I have a bar band I play in that I played in for like the last 14 years. And we've been covering that song practically the whole time I've been in the band. I think it was only about a year and a half, two years ago that we finally got the ending right. That's that's the world of being, uh, you know, out out in those bar band things. Because like you, kn- here's the problem: like we're all all old older dudes uh, who've been playing our instruments forever, and so you know a lot of these songs are like know them like the back of our hands, or so we think. But when you actually have to execute, you're like, oh wait, how does that ending go? And you just don't know. So that was Montrose, Rock Candy. Uh, before that, Kingdom Come with Get It On and White Snake with the original recording of Here I Go Again. Um, basically a totally different band from the one that uh, was the hit song that came out like two years, I think a whole, almost two years after that one was released. Um, and, and I was saying in the chat, I've got a big soft spot for David Coverdale. I feel like, you know, he's he's a little underrated. He's he's a total caricature of a rock guy now. I mean, he's like seventy years old and he's still got the big hair, which is no doubt a wig. Just no doubt in my mind that's a wig. Um, and he's got like George Hamilton skin, and he, I mean, he, he basically looks like a like a pair of alligator shoes with a wig thrown on him, um, in like sharkskin pants or God, that's a weird image. Ugh. I just I just troubled myself. Anyway, guy very like early in his career just got the shaft. Um, you know, he joined Deep Purple and I think he was like 19 years old, 20 years old or something like that. And um you know, he was a great singer, but he kind of got the shaft um in a number of ways, including when uh Richie Blackmore left and you know, then he had to try and figure it out um with uh Tommy Bolin otherwise known as a heroin addict, a heroin addiction on legs that joins your band. Um, so there, there's a great story about when the, when that version of Deep Purple broke up, like they played their last show on the tour and uh, Coverdale walks up to John Lord and, um, and Ian Pace and says, we need to have a, we need to have a conversation about the band. And uh, John Lord goes, there isn't any band that we're done. <laughs> it's like, ouch. Anyway, I could go on, but, but I won't. Uh, Aldenova started off with fantasy. Um, I'm, I got a soft spot for that song. There's, there's a guy that's like a one hit, just one hit. He's not a wonder. He just, there's just one hit there. And, and the video, if you go like pull that video up on YouTube, it, it, I mean, there's a lot of embarrassing rock videos from the from the early '80s. That one is way up at the top of the list of just like if you just like if you're having an argument with Aldo Nova tomorrow, and he says something that you just want him to shut up about, then you just like pull that up on your phone and show it to him, and and he he will he'll either punch you or just shut up. Anyway, my dog just clicky clacked into the room. Hi, Sydney. Yeah. Anyway. <sighs> so I'm sorry I missed you, missed you folks last week. I've, I've got a, like, I've just had a, had a, uh, life has been something of a bowl of farts in some ways. Um, uh, and I'll get into the details. I'm sure I'll get into the details of that just because, you know, this is my opportunity to vent, right? 
That's, that's really why I do this. It's not because I'm here to entertain y'all. I'm, I'm here to vent. I'm here to talk. Um, and then you can't stop me. Of course, you could tune out, I guess. That would suck. Anyway, what am I doing tonight? Um, I just had this, like, I, I'm, two things happened. One, uh, the, the random shuffle thing that, ha- that I do when I'm walking my dog through all this, like, 80s hairband music at me. And I really liked it. I was like, oh, I'm going to play... I'm going to play some of that. And then I was doing something and all of a sudden there's like this picture of rat, the band rat just like was on my computer screen. And I was like, okay, that's weird. Um, but you know, why not? Let's roll with it. So without further ado, let's go with some rat on the public record. Top. 
right, that's some docking. That's it's not love. Uh, I think you know it's 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 funny about there's there's certain tropes within the whole like hairband world. Um, you know, one of them is the like the shouted like that sounds like the football stadium is singing the backing vocals thing. Um, I think that sort of originates with um, Def Leppard. Um, because prior to Phil Collin joining Def Leppard, uh, there was literally no one in the band who could sing. Um, like Joe Elliott can kind of sing, but um, and I'll get on, I'll get on a sidetrack here. I've seen Def Leppard live like four times. Um, the first time I saw him was like very very early on. Um, I want to say like they were on tour for like right after High and Dry had come out, and they were not headlining. They were opening for. Shoot, I want to say Blackfoot, which is weird, but yeah, I think that's what was going on there. And anyway, I saw them, and you know, it was not surprising. It was a terrible venue. It was a place called the um, Oakland Auditorium that was just, you know, like we loved it because it was there and lots of great shows happened there, but the acoustics were just abysmal. And so if you went to a concert at the Oakland Auditorium, you were guaranteed to just not be able to really hear anything. Um, It was just kind of like... Like, imagine if a heavy metal concert happened in your high school um, gymnasium, right? That's the acoustics of the auditorium. Because basically, the Oakland Auditorium was the high school basketball arena for all the Oakland high schools. So, yeah, the more you know. Anyway, so it, it, it was just terrible. And then the next time I saw them was, I think, on like the... It was either on the Pyromania tour or the one after that. I think it's the one after that because they played in the round and the drummer only had one arm. Um, and and the there was so much pre-recorded backing stuff for everything they did. I, I mean, they were trying to reproduce the sound of a very overproduced album on the road and also do it with a drummer who had only one arm. And so there was just, there's a ton of stuff in... Um, that was not live that was not them playing and so yeah you mean you could you could tell there was an enhancement to the vocals um that had nothing to do with joe elliott's talent so like the next couple times i saw them were were actually at like you know fairly recently i think the last time most recent time made it may have been like 10 years ago um uh side note my wife is a really really big like 80s hairband fan so she was like please can we go see Def Leppard and Poison and Cheap Trick and I was like okay um although I held the line on you know while Poison's playing I will be at the bar um but anyway they 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 played and um Joe Elliott like you know they did a couple songs and he sounded a little rough and he said oh okay well you know I've got I've got this this like sinus infection my throat's kind of raw so phil over here is gonna is gonna help me out on some of the vocals okay that's cool that you've got another guy in your band who's a good singer who can like who can pick up the slack when you're not able but the funny part was is like the previous time that i had seen them he used the exact same line as his excuse for why he wasn't able to sing so i came to the conclusion after that dude just can't sing and um, so then I realized I'm listening back to Def Leppard records. Oh, that's why all the like shouted vocals. It's like, that was their producer, Mutt Lang's way of just hiding that 
with production tricks. So then that, that becomes like a standard thing. It becomes a, a, a trope within hair metal music that you're going to have this like football stadium backing vocal chant thing. Rah, rah, rah. Dokken did it. Rat did it. Um, Motley Crue did it later on. Um, not early in their career, but later on. And it just pops up everywhere. Um, and it's kind of funny because it's the opposite of, of where, um, like, uh, middle of the road corporate rock production was going before the early eighties where it was going was with these layered harm harmony things. Journey did that. Queen did it. The cars did it. Everybody was like, like building these, um, like choral tracking a vocal thing, um, which is incredibly hard to do. Like having done a, a little bit of music production, that's very, very hard to do. So I can kind of understand why they would retreat, not to mention that it's almost impossible to reproduce live. So much easier to just go. Rah! So that's one trope. The other trope kind of came up in the first set and I forgot to mention it. It's having your song sound as much like Led Zeppelin as you can get away with without sounding like you're stealing a song from Led Zeppelin. Uh, and the Kingdom Come track I played, that was totally about that. Montrose, way, way, like, early days of uh, American uh, hard rock, like, kind of pre-hairband, hairband kind of thing. Montrose totally did that, um, just unashamedly. Um, and then there's, like, my, my, uh, my, my buddy Barney's theory is that there's, there's like only in any given era, there's like four different sounds of a band that everybody is socialized to accept. Like you can only sound like this niche. And so you get bands that are trying to fill a, a void, like Led Zeppelin breaks up. And so there's all these people rushing to the void. We got to make stuff that kind of sounds Led Zeppelin-y um, to sell records. And uh, his theory about Motley Crue which is I played Too Fast for Love by them um, right before the Dawkins track. His theory about Motley Crue is that Van Halen took a break. Like Van Halen did um, the Diver Down record and it didn't sell very well and they were burnt out and they were tired. So they took like a year and a half off. And in that void jumps Motley Crue, um, who aesthetically kind of had the, 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 Van Halen thing going a little bit, um, but without the musicianship and 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 uh, and the uniqueness to it. I mean, they had kind of a different uniqueness. But so they were, you know, that's his rationale. That's where Motley Crue came from. They just stepped into this this empty void that was available, like available space, kind of deal. Anyway, I will like I always like that theory. Um, before Motley Crue, I played I played one of my own songs, "Self Serving." Uh, it's from a record buddy of mine and I did that we released um, last fall, and I just thought it fit in. I mean, the whole record we did was like little little discrete tributes to music that we loved, with topics about um, stuff that was going on during the pandemic during 2020, and uh, that song "Social Distance" is obviously about social distancing and kind of made a joke of of. Uh, in, uh, there, there's like double and triple entendres in the lyrics. And I give full credit to Rob for coming up with that. Cause that that's amazing. But anyway, I thought it fit. And I started us off with rat. You're in love, which is my favorite rat song. 
and and honestly maybe the best thing they ever did um i used to like round and round a lot too but ever since that um i think it's like a geico commercial where the the joke is oh we love our new house but we have a rat problem and then rat is just playing in their house all the time which is like funny once that's funny to hear and see once and then but when it's like oh my god that that stupid geico commercial's on again it's kind of it's it's ruining the song for me um happy for those guys to get some royalties though happy for that I'm Joe Public. You're listening to the Public Record. I I had a week, man. I had a couple of weeks last week. I'm I'm, I'm my job got massively harder. Um, we had a backed up drain line uh, on our washing machine and had a little flood in the house. Had to go and get my uh, my first COVID vaccine shot, um, which that actually is a good news thing. Like I got I'm I've been Pfizered. Um, but it, you know, it's just nerve wracking a little bit, you know, going through that uh, whole thing of, of taking time to go stand in line and get your shot. By the way, go get your shot if you haven't gotten your shot. Um, and if you're in California, by the way, um, it's all adults will be eligible for the vaccine uh, on um, April 15th. Contra Costa County actually started taking appointments for anybody 16 or older today. So that's bitching. Um, anyway, so there's that. And then I've got this like chronic hip problem and it flared up big time, uh, on Friday. I had to go to urgent care. So that was fun. Um, so yeah, you know, it's just been, it's been, it's been a joy. Everything's a joy. Um, and now my, and now my dog's barking because I think one of my kids ordered food. <laughs> My daughter's standing in the hallway laughing at me at the moment. Okay, well, that's good. Uh, I'm gonna, so I'm going to play the music. I, this, this, this next song I'm, I'm going to talk about when I back announce. I'm not going to... Uh, yeah, here we go. Yeah, yeah. Don't
that's another trope from uh, that era of music. I mean, Billy Squire goes along with what I was talking about, about, you know, like be as much like Led Zeppelin as you can um, and filling a void, you know, like there's no Led Zeppelin after 1980 when John Bonham dies. So, you know, anybody can fill that void has a good chance. And I remember like Billy Squire was being sold as like, Hey, look, it's Jimmy page and Robert plant in the same body kind of thing. And it's not really fair to him, but that's what he was sold as. So, um, yeah, anyway. Uh, but, but the other trope is like the huge reverb tank thing. Um, you know, it's, uh, recording studios used to build these giant, you know, like reverb tanks these these they'd install these giant plate reverbs or they'd um they'd actually purpose out a concrete room um uh the the um oh i can't remember the name of the studio there was a, a studio in new york city that famously had this just oh the power station duh it's where where that record was recorded the power station in new york had this giant concrete room with a um uh, uh, the speakers um, that had speakers in it that were on a, a track, a motorized track with a movable wall behind them. So the engineer could dial a knob and, and physically move the wall and the speakers so that the room would get smaller. And then the, like the opposite wall would have a, a pair of stereo microphones on it. And so the, the, the reverb that they were able to create at the power station was actually created by physical space that they constructed and then engineered to be able to be flexible so they could have a, like a giant reverb or a smaller reverb just by dialing a knob and making the me- mechanism move. Uh, I remember the first time I saw footage of that, I just like my mind was blown. Of course, that's like when I'm, I'm exploring learning how to record music on my own, like a little four track recorder with my, band that I had in high school and, um, and in college. And, um, my friend Jamie and I were like exploring that stuff together. And, uh, I remember we got access to the old Alameda theater. Like we, we had a rehearsal room in one of the projection rooms of the theater. And, um, we realized there was this huge, like, um, open space up above the ceiling, above the main theater, like a, like this cavernous huge space with these catwalks on it. Um, and we like ran all this cable and we took a speaker, uh, a PA speaker and we, we set it on the catwalk and we put a microphone in there and we pumped music in there to like try and come up with a reverb. And it was so unusably horrible, um, because it really didn't, it, it wasn't a controllable space. So it was just like this wash of reverberant noise, um, but we had some fun with that too. Um, so anyway, ah, good times before Billy Squire honeymoon suite with new girl. Now I have no idea if they ever made another song. I know that song, (laughs) but I don't know if they ever made another song, um, before that, not really a hairband thing, but it seemed to fit topically is, uh, Pat Travers with snort and whiskey. Um, uh, lyrics just funny and it's appropriate to the, to the era and kiss with look it up um which may be you know i was talking about embarrassing music videos earlier that one uh, like first okay 
I'm pretty sure I've never been as enthusiastic about anything as Paul Stanley is about everything, right? Like somebody did this edit years ago and they stuck it on up on, um, on like YouTube and, and file sharing and stuff like that. This, this edit of Paul Stanley talking at their, at kiss concerts between like his in between song banter. And they like edited two hours of just him doing the in between song banner. And I've never been able to get past like 10 minutes of it. It's, it's, it's like, buddy, dude, calm down. <laughs> it's like, no, there's nothing in life that requires that much enthusiasm. I, I'm, I mean, no, there's nothing. I've seen like athletes win a gold medal at the Olympics and not be as excited about that as Paul Stanley is about announcing the next song which is no doubt a song he's played hundreds of times um, and is utterly sick and tired of. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Joe Public. You're listening to The Public Record. I'm trying to make it through this, like, painful hip dealio. Uh, job getting harder. Leaky drain line. <laughs> it's just, okay, What what else you want to do? Who who else wants to take a turn at a at a nut punch over here on Joe? Who wants to? Come on, you can do it. <sighs> nah, I'm not a complainer. Not a complainer. I just sound like one. I just play one on TV. I'm gonna get back to the music. This is another like it's not technically a hairband band because they were from Seattle, and you know, what's the point in hairspray up there? Um... But, you know, they, they fit in, and it's a good song. So there, here you go. I'll play it. Oh! 
There's a part missing from my life Wonder where I'd be without your love Holding me together now Watching the time tick, tick away Face grows longer every day Fortunes are lost on the women I've seen But without you
So I gotta say, okay, and the Cradle Will Rock always remembered it as just this like kind of, you know, heavy song when I was a kid. And to me, it was just just a heavy song. And I remember saying something about that to um, another DJ at the radio station in college, who who went on. Guy actually went on to be a like big time commercial radio DJ. Um, on the uh, in LA and then in San Francisco, um, but he he said no no man dude dude you gotta listen to that song with headphones on. In fact, listen to that whole Women and Children First album with headphones on because it he said it sounds like if you're just like blasting in your car, it it just sounds like this big loud noisy record. He said that record is so full of layers and and nuances, and so I feel like the latter half of of playing it, I was I had my headphones on, I was listening to it, and remembering that first time that I actually really listened to the to that song, and and um, yeah, mind blown, great, great song. I mean, the ultra cool thing about it is the dominant instrument on the song, and even a guitar. Um, that was, you know, everybody knows Eddie Van Halen, you know, went keyboard heavy with jump, um, on the 1984 album, but he actually like, he started that whole thing. He, the move to keyboards with that song. Cause the, the main instrument there is actually electric piano. Some of it's very distorted and he apparently was running it through his amp, his guitar amp, but, it, but mostly, you know, 
it it's uh it's a keyboard song just like jump so also a very cool little thing a Def Leppard did let it go before that Scorpions with the Zoo and Queensryche started us off with Jet City Woman there we go that's that's a nice nifty little set of music for you right there and and so here's the funny thing okay so I played that uh original version of um uh of um sorry of Here I Go Again by Whitesnake I played that in the top of the show in the first set and the um and a friend of mine just like tagged me in a post on facebook like asking a question about that song um because she's like pulling up the she pulled up the lyrics and and she's confused because she knows the lyrics um from the hit version from the album that came out in 1987 um where it goes, I'm, I'm a drifter who was born to walk alone. The original version that I played, it's I'm a hobo who was born to walk alone, which, you know, maybe had something to do with the sales of the original version, maybe not. I think mostly it's the production on that and how it's kind of more laid back and not very hip, but, you know, whatever. Whatever. I'm Joe Public. You're listening to The Public Record. I got like a half an hour more of this like hairy stuff to do, and I'm kind of having fun. Um, so I played Van Halen, and I remember, um, you know, when Van Halen was going through like the revolving door of singers, you know, after Sammy Hagar quit and they did the the whole Gary Sharon thing. Like First they fainted to do, oh, David Lee Roth's coming back, and they blew him off and got back together with Sammy Hagar, and then Sammy Hagar was really out, and then they did Gary Sharon. And um, Sebastian Bach, who was originally came to fame from being the singer in a band called Skid Row, I saw this interview with him, and he's just, he's just like, Ed, dude, call me. We can do this. And I remember thinking, oh, my, my God, that would be so cool. Um, cause Sebastian Bach is mental and, and his level of energy, um, would totally fit Van Halen and he's goofy. He could pull off the Lee Roth songs and he's totally got the vocal range to do the Hagar stuff. Um, and he's, and he's a smart dude. And I thought that would really work, but you know, alas, it never happened because for whatever reason, I don't know. Poor Ed. But, um, the reason I mentioned this is cause I'm going to play Skid Row at you. So here you go. I'm 
have never, ever, ever liked that stupid Cherry Pie song by Great White, but I love that song. I, that's Rock Me by Great White. And, and I love it because that, that era of music was all about everything being in little tiny digestible bites. Um, I'm not a, like, I'm not a big fan of Guns N' Roses. I'm actually, I, I decidedly dislike them for the most part, but I like the fact that Axl Rose was ambitious, you know, the whole November rain thing, like on the use your illusion Two album, I think it was like, it's, that's ambitious. Like that's reaching, that's trying something. And, and I, I, I think one of the reasons I got, I, I started to tune out on the hair bands in the late eighties and the early nineties. Um, one was just tired of it and it, it had become too formulaic, but another, I, I mean, well, it's actually related to that. Just nobody's trying anything, you know, your, your single was some heart tugging ballad with an acoustic guitar in it. Um, and, uh, that didn't sound like anything else you did. Um, and everything else was just chugga, 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 uh, boobies. It just it got, it got dumb, got super dumb. And so I remember hearing um, Rock Me first time and going, whoa, that's great, White. What What's up with that? So I thought that was cool. And, and speaking of ambitious bands, before that, Tesla with Little, little Susie. Um, Tesla is a band that was just like full of people who were way too good, like just way too good. So that was... They tended to be ambitious too. And Skid Row started us off with Yukon Wild. I, I can't help it. I like Sebastian Bach. I just can't help it. I'm Joe Public. You're listening to the Public Record. Um, my back hurts. My hip hurts. And I'm hella old. <laughs> but, you know, it's good to be here and it's good to have you folks listening and tuning in. And I appreciate you and I appreciate that. Uh, so yeah, cool. I'm almost done for the night. I don't think I'm going to come back on mic. I think I'm going to play out tonight. So, um, thank you for tuning in. Uh, and I will do something different next week. I don't know. I'm, I'm feeling the, it's, it's kind of funny. Like the, the, the weather, the, the weather's changing and the time has shifted, you know, the, with the whole time shift thing where like when I start my show, the sun's still out. And, um, that tends to like push me away from the whole Venus flytrap vibe. Um, but, but I kind of like that. I kind of like that. So maybe what I need to do is like, you know, uh, wear a sleep mask or, you know, draw the shades or something like that in here for like an hour before I, I do my show, get myself in the Venus flytrap mood. Um, I don't know. Uh, anyway, I, I have been Joe Public. This has been the public record. I'm going to play out, and uh, I will look forward to hopefully seeing you all next week. Um, I got to play this song. So, okay, this song probably started the whole ball rolling, honestly. I mean, you, you can point to Van Halen, right? And But, like, I'll put it this way. I saw Motley Crue open for these guys. I think they started it that that whole like idea of of what a LA hairband was about this is quiet riot 
someone